you know, I know people laugh, but Mara has always been serious about treating the fans well. Dating back to his father, Wellington Mara, they used to call, they didn't call them fans. They called them employees, or they were the fans' employees, rather. Um, they worked for the fans is the way that they look at it and the way John Mara still looks at it. And that's why he's so adamant against you know, not just the Thursday night flexing and the double Thursday night games, but against scheduling the Giants to play on Christmas Day or New Year's Day or or Thanksgiving or on Jewish holidays or Muslim holidays. He, he's always been adamantly opposed to that. So it comes as no surprise to me whatsoever that he's opposed to the, the double Thursday night flexing. John Mara always gives us some good stuff to talk about when he speaks to the media. He certainly did so recently at the NFL annual owners meetings. We'll talk about what was said there and so much more. But first and foremost, welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast powered by the USA Today Network. We have made it to April, which means we're that much closer to the 2023 NFL draft. It also means that at least some of the snow has turned to rain for you, Dan, right on those early morning hikes that you go on. I don't know if I want to out <laughs> your little routine, but those early morning hikes here, there's not as much snow out there, I hope. No, the snow's gone, thankfully. I uh, had about enough of that. So it's nice to have warm temperatures. It was 50 degrees on the walk this morning, so I'll take that all day long. How you doing, man? How's life? It's great, man. Uh, things are going well for me. Um, you know, obviously things are exciting in Giants land, kicking up ahead of the NFL draft. A lot of prospect meetings going on, so you're you're constantly digging, looking into to different potential rookies and draft picks, and, and wondering what the Giants are going to do. Uh, a little tired of the mock draft season that gets uh, that gets old pretty quick, kind of like the snow. Uh, but other than that, it's fun. You know, it's it's just fun to cover a, a winning team going into an off season, coming off a, a you know a, a season that was above 500. Can't tell you the last time that happened. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. It's been exciting. I think Giants fans are getting a little antsy now. They just want to move on to the next step and and see who these new players are and then go from there. Yeah, it's really fun. The Giants have some legit buzz around them. They're making moves in the off season. Uh, it's great. And uh, because of that buzz, we have a we have a guest. We have a guest on the pod this week, Dan. Uh, we are joined by Kevin Hickey. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Colts Wire. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. I think it's safe to say you are a Giants fan. I know you've done work on the Giants Wire in the past, right? You now work for the Colts Wire, but uh, welcome to the show, man. We're happy to have you. And I, I heard that you're also a fan of the show, so it's great to it's great to have you on. Absolutely. Hey, I appreciate you uh, you guys bringing me on. Um, yeah, you are correct. I you know grew up a Giants fan. I'm, you know they they have a special place in my heart. Even uh, even over this last decade where they've been, you know, tearing it to shreds. But um, but yeah, you know, I I was born in New York. So, you know, my my dad really wouldn't let me cheer for any other team, even if I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. So we can we can use some of your, you know, your Giants knowledge and also some of this useless Colts Colts knowledge that you've developed over the years, I guess. Right. Working for USA Today. That's perfect. Uh, Dan, I know you're excited to have Kevin on. Uh, We've been trying to, you know, work it out over the last few weeks. Uh, tell the listeners why, like, why, why are you excited to have Kevin on? Well, listen, Kevin's been with me a long time. Um, he, he, he dates back to the giants one one days, which was, you know, the pre giants wire days. That's back when I, uh, was a bit of an entrepreneur and thought I'd try my hand at my own business, which was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> but having Kevin aboard certainly made that a little bit easier on me, a lot less stress. And, you know, listen, of course, Kevin pitches in at giants wire from time to time too. So, I thought it was a good opportunity to have him on, give him a little bit more exposure to some of the Giants fans that, 
you know, may have lost sight of him since he moved over to Colts Wire. And, of course, you know, as you said, there are some, you know, Colts links that we've got to talk about here today. So who better than Kevin, who obviously knows these players intimately over the last several years. So it'll be a good insight for Giants fans to hear. Yeah, the Giants poached two of the Colts' uh, top free agents, right? <laughs> right, Kevin? Like, uh, they get Bobby Okereke, who Dan and I talked about him, you know, f- shortly after the first wave of free agency on the on the show. Uh, really feels like he could end up being the most impactful player just because he literally makes an impact. Like, he makes a million tackles out there. He's it's just a tackling machine. Uh, and then they get Paris Campbell, who, you know, you look at some of these websites that grade free agency a lot of uh sites had paris campbell as a, a player the colts couldn't let get away uh you know just given where they drafted him but they do let him get away uh but let's start with okarake right i mean the giants obviously they were in the market for an inside linebacker they were aggressive going out and signing okarake four years 40 million he, he's had back-to-back 130 tackle seasons i know last year he went over 150 right almost 100 solo uh Giants, Dan, you had on the Giants wire, the Bleacher Report had Okereke as like a breakout candidate for 2023. So, Kevin, what are the Giants getting in this player? And do you think there's, you know, is he due for this big breakout season that a lot of people are are pre- predicting in Wink Martindale's system? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean, I, I the article you referenced was that, I, you know, I think somebody said he's going to be a breakout star and I absolutely could see it. I mean, this guy has everything you want in a linebacker, especially in today's game. You know, he's he's lengthy, he's rangy, he's a sure tackler. Um, you know, I know if you look at some of the deeper stats on coverage, he might not grade out as well, but some of those can be a little bit fluky just because in terms of assigning, you know, targets and stuff to certain players, it can get a little, a little fluky, a little sketchy at times. So his numbers and coverage may not look great, but when you watch him on film, he's a fluid mover, he's aggressive, he gets after the ball, you know, he's a great communicator. This past year, he really had to step up, um, you know, in Shaquille Leonard's absence because Leonard dealt with um, this nagging nerve injury and wound up only playing like 60-something snaps on the defensive side of the ball. So, okay, Okereke really had to step up into a bigger role. And, you know, for all the Colts' faults in 2022, their defense was pretty good. I mean, even under, you know, first year with uh, Gus Bradley, you know, they really gelled very well in that scheme and Okereke really shined. Um, you know, he's, I think where he brings his strengths are going to be mainly against the run. He's a great run stopper. Um, and having those, you know, two defensive tackles ahead of you and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, I mean, that's going to be a huge plus for him. He's going to be able to, you know, kind of freely move around, really hit his run fits. And, you know, I think in coverage, he's getting better. I think we saw strides during the second half of the season where, you know, he was really driving on passes. He was really breaking up passes, really, you know, making impact plays against the pass. And I think that's something that he's going to continue to get better at. So when you take all those things, then you account for the fact that he's a great guy in the locker room. You know, he might not be the most outspoken, might not be a huge rah-rah guy, but, you know, he's a smart guy. He can't, you know, comes from Stanford, um, very well respected, um, very well liked in the locker room. You know, I think he's going to mesh very, very well with this unit that they have. Dan, you want to reset some of your thoughts on 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 Bobby Okereke? I know you could see the fit, you know, pretty pretty clearly, you know, after they made this move. Oh yeah, it was it was it was was it, listen, it was an absolute need, uh, as I'm sure Kevin could attest. It's been years and years, over a decade, really, since the Giants have had a solid inside middle linebacker who's who's capable of stopping the run, making tackles, 
uh, being a good locker room influence in coverage, obviously, where he can still improve. And he will improve in, in that regard because he's going to be practicing against Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley every single day. So you don't have and you don't have an alternative. You have to get better in that regard. So they'll certainly work on that. What I'm curious about, and maybe Kevin can weigh in on this as well, is, you know, there's going to be an increased amount of times where he his number is going to be called on a blitz, which is not something that he seemed to do uh, to any great degree in Indianapolis, but it's going to be a new element that's added to his game. So I, I'm kind of curious to see how the Giants work that in and more specifically how he adapts to that additional role so far. You know, he's expressed an excitement over it and expressing a willingness to do it. And and why wouldn't you? You know, you get after the quarterback. That's fun for everybody. Uh, but it is a new dimension to his game. And I am sort of curious as to how that's going to work in with Martindale's defense and whether or not there's going to be sort of a, a trial period where he's kind of feeling his way around or if we can just expect him to hit the ground running and, and become, you know, a successful blitzer when his number's called. Yeah, I I would probably, you know, it's definitely going to be an interesting addition to his game because that's something he did not do at all with the Colts whether it was under Matt Eberflus who's you know the head coach of the Bears now he was the he was the defensive coordinator um for the majority of Okereke's career with the Colts um or with Gus Bradley they just you know the the blitzing linebackers the, that role usually um fell on Shaquille Leonard's shoulders so it's definitely going to be an interesting addition to his game I will say I mean when you have the kind of athletic profile that Okereke has you know, he's I think he's six foot one, six foot two, you know, 240 pounds and, you know, runs a four, three, nine. And he's extremely athletic. You know, he's a fluid mover. So whenever you have that kind of athletic profile, there's always potential to be a good blitzer. Um, you know, I I think it's there's definitely going to be a, a learning period, kind of a growth period, just because he didn't do it all that often with the Colts. But I'm definitely excited to see you know, how effective he can be immediately in that role. You know, if you watch Wink, Wink Martindale's defense, you never know. You never know where that pressure is coming from. You never know who's going to get their number called on that blitz. Um, so, yeah, although it's going to be sort of a, a work in progress when it comes to that, it is going to be interesting to see down the stretch how he adapts to that, you know, adapts to that role where he's where he's chasing the quarterback around. I think it could be hugely beneficial for the Giants if, uh, you know, if he rounds into shape even just above average, let's just call him an above average blitzer in that regard. I think that adds an entirely new dimension to the Giants defense, which they haven't had and which they most certainly did not have last year. So, it, you know, it is it is certain, you know, an interesting addition um, kind of to the bag of tricks that Martindale is going to deploy on game day. Yeah, as you said uh, earlier, Dan, it, it was just a major need. And uh, some of the linebackers the Giants had running around last year, uh, this hopefully uh, Okereke could uh, could be a guy that we really enjoy watching running around. They, they can't be worse. No, you know what I no, mean? Like there's no can't. possible way. They can't. No, there's some of them. It's just like, wow. Uh, so, yeah. So, but we get why the Giants were aggressive getting this player. You kind of you can kind of also see, Kevin, why. Okereke would leave the Colts for a big deal like this. The Colts have some depth. You, you mentioned Shaq Leonard. They have some depth at linebacker. Wide receiver, they don't have any depth. <laughs> so Paris Campbell was a little more surprising to me. Uh, did the Colts drop the ball? I mean, on a player, they invested a top 60 pick in, right? Uh, what, four years ago? 2019 was when they drafted Campbell. I mean, he finally stays on the field last year. He plays. He has a pretty good season with, with the Colts. Uh, they had a washed up Matt Ryan playing quarterback and even more washed up Nick Foles. Right. And then they they trotted Sam Ellinger out there a few times. Six round pick. So, I mean, he's he's not exactly working with, uh, you know, Tom Brady out there at quarterback. I mean, let's be honest, not even Daniel Jones, Dan. Uh, so 
what happened here? Like it seemed heading into free agency that Campbell was open to resigning with the Colts. It sounded like uh, GM Chris Ballard wanted the same thing, but now Campbell heads to the Giants on this one year, $4.7 million deal. Not a huge contract, kind of a prove it deal for Campbell. Can he stay healthy? Can he put another season together? Uh, what gives here? Why did why did the Colts let this guy get away? And especially for a contract that is like not really, you know, not out of control by any means. Your guess is as good as mine. I was I was shocked when I saw the I mean, I wasn't shocked to see that the Giants went after Campbell and that he signed with them. But then once the contract details came out and at first it came out that I think it was Garofolo who tweeted it. Um, it was like one year, three and a half million, because I think that's kind of like the base. And then, it, you know, the incentives bump it up. But when I first saw that, I was like, wow, that that's that's low. I mean, even for a guy who has been injured, you know, for the first three years of his career, I felt like he was definitely going to command more on the market. And I think we saw the the wide receiver market kind of correct itself after last year and the whole, you know, Christian Kirk um, deal kind of blowing everything out of proportion. But, um, you know, I I was definitely surprised that it was that low in terms of money, because I definitely thought the Colts could have made that they could have offered him that deal and they have a they have a very big need at wide receiver three right now you know i mean they have michael pittman jr and alec pierce on the outside but there's not a whole lot of depth behind them so i was very surprised to see them you know let campbell walk away especially because we don't even know what they offered him you know so it's 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 kind of frustrating but at the same time you know my the other the other side of my brain is like all right cool we got giants got paris campbell so, you know, we're, this is a good, this is a good move. <laughs> it works for you, think, Kevin. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's, I, I can be, I can be on the fence a little bit about it. Um, I love that. But, but yeah, it was, um, I was definitely surprised. I, I definitely think the, the injury history um, played a role because it's, it's significant. It's, it's something that should not be dismissed out of hand. And I know when I, you know, I think we did a little crossover article on Giants Wire, um, just about what Paris Campbell is bringing to the Giants, but um, you know, I, I, I've always been a believer in Paris Campbell. I've always been a believer in his game. You know, when they drafted him in 2019, granted Andrew Luck was still there, but you know, his game is, is a perfect match for Brian Dable's offense because, you know, they're going to get him the ball in space. They're going to get the ball in his hands and let him work after the catch. And to me, that's, that's where Paris Campbell's most dangerous. Um, I mean, this guy ran a four, three, one at the 40 still has that speed, even after all the injuries he suffered. Um, he's getting better as a route runner. Uh, I think there are some times where, you know, he can probably add a little more nuance to the top of his route, but that also comes with experience. You know, I, th- I think going into 2022, the guy played 15 games in three years. So I think he's still also, you know, he definitely hasn't hit his ceiling yet and he's still learning the nuances of route running. Um, but once you get him the ball in his hands, he's like a running back. I mean, the guy just moves past defenders. He's very elusive, has very, very reliable hands. So I think the Giants really knocked it out of the park with this signing. I mean, I've, I've always been a Paris Campbell fan. Just, you know, the way he works back from injury, the way, you know, he's, I mean, I, it's a like Andrew Luck level, like gauntlet of injuries that this guy has been through. So when you talk about what he's going to bring to the locker room, he's going to be a great asset to the locker room, you know, culture wise, you know, he's going to fit into that nice wide receiver three, wide receiver two role. He can be a high volume target if you need to kind of, you know, short area targets over the middle. So, I mean, I, I absolutely love the signing and I was very confused as to, you know, why the Colts seemingly um, didn't make a, a bigger push to bring him back. 
Yeah, Kevin puts on his Colts wire hat and says, oh, man, what are we doing? Not bringing back Paris Campbell. <laughs> then he puts on his Giants hat and goes, yeah, that's great. Great move for the Giants. That's exactly. perfect. That's perfect. Uh, but yeah, but Dan, we talked about Paris Campbell a little bit in our last show. We haven't touched on Jamison Crowder yet because that happened after the podcast dropped. Uh, the Giants are just, they continue to add these weapons around Daniel Jones, right? And it sounds like, uh, you know, if you if you listen to John Barra at the, uh, what was that, the combine or whatever the hell that was where they were speaking, owners meetings. And uh, meetings. Yeah, yeah, the owners meetings where he was talking that he was not closing the door on Odell Beckham Jr., which I know is probably not going to happen, but it just shows that the Giants are still out there looking for wide receivers, possibly in a trade. We had Stefan Diggs doing something on April Fool's with his brother, Trayvon, over the Cowboys, <laughs> saying, hey, let's play each other. I'll go to the Giants. I was like, what? Okay. So, I mean, the Giants have, you know, we know they brought back Isaiah Hodgins, who we all love. Uh, we're, we're talking about Paris Campbell here. They brought back Darius Slayton. They drafted Wandale Robinson last season. They brought back Sterling Shepard, who Maris says they want to keep around. Now they bring in Jamison Crowder. It's like there's just this huge wide receiver room now, right? It's a lot of slot guys, a lot of number two, number three type of receivers, uh, but there's this, yeah, exactly. Uh, this huge crew of receivers, and they're still looking. And, and my question is kind of like, wh- what gives? What gives? Right? Like, there's how many guys can you collect? I know you got to protect against some. The Giants have this insane history with wide receivers getting injured, so yeah. maybe there's that. Yeah. They're trying to like protect themselves. Maybe some guys will start on the pup. Maybe some guys will start on the practice squad. I have no idea, but man, they're still looking for receivers. Like, it's like. I need to get explain this like I'm five. It's like, how many receivers are we going to keep on the active roster this year? You know what I mean? Are we going with seven? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, you got to remember that you got to remember they got a 90 man roster to fill out at the time, you know, for the time being. So, you know, there is going to be an abundance of wide receivers. And I think the reason why it seems like there's such a large swath of wide receivers is that so many of them are recognizable names now, which has not traditionally been the case with the Giants in recent years. So when you're talking about, you know, someone like a, a Paris Campbell getting signed, you're like, it's a recognizable name, a Jamison Crowder a recognizable name, re-signing Sterling Shepard, obviously a recognizable name. But, you know, Shepard, whether or not he's ready to start the season uh, after coming back from his injuries, we'll see. Uh, Robinson, same scenario. Don't think he's going to be ready to start the season. He may not return, you know, till midway down the line. And then you you look at, you know, some of these other players like Campbell you mentioned and, and some of the other signees, they all have a history of injury. So you have to you do have to take that into account and recognize the fact that, okay, we may have, uh, you know, a large quantity of wide receivers, but where is the quality in terms of their health and how do you weigh that against the risk? So, you know, I think Joe Shane is sort of looking at it like, let's just fill up the room as much as we can with talented, speedy, elusive wide receivers who are generally good route runners, mix it in with what we have. Um, see, you know, who, see who rises to the top, see who stays healthy. Inevitably people are going to get injured during the off season and training camp in the preseason. So the numbers will naturally dwindle on their own and that comes before the cuts. Um, but it does give the giants, you know, it's, it's almost like they cast a really wide net and they're seeing what they can pull back and, and what becomes of what they pull back. So I actually think it's a pretty good approach and I'm not surprised they're not done yet. You know, they still have an obvious need for an outside receiver. Most of these guys, as we mentioned, are are sort of inside guys. And that, you know, that's perfectly fine, even if that ends up what it is for the Giants going into the season. Because, you know, as Shane and as Dayball have said, and as Mike Kafka has said, if, if you find a way to get open, we'll find a role for you on this team. And one of the biggest issues facing the Giants in recent years is their, one, their inability to separate on the routes, which 
a lot of these guys that they just brought in, uh, you know, are, are much, much more improved in, in regards to. And then it's about creating spacing on the field. And that's where you see, you know, when someone like uh, Darren Waller comes in and then you got Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield, Paris Campbell in the slot, you know, maybe Sterling Shepard, who I will still argue is the best route runner on the entire team. Suddenly, what was a weakness for the Giants now becomes a strength, even if they don't necessarily have that number one outside guy. And then when you actually run down the list of names, I think they're all talented, you know, receivers who, if they could stay healthy, can have a potential role in the Giants. Now, how that shakes out obviously remains to be seen because you can't keep all of them. But I, for one, am like a big fan of Jamison Crowder. I always have been uh, dating back to his rookie season. I think he's a he's a really good talent. I think he's vastly underrated. And I, I don't think he's necessarily been used in roles that, that work to his strengths. And I think that, you know, has the potential to change with the Giants. But he's just one of many. And I would expect the Giants to add more, whether it's via free agency or come draft time. And you could tell that that's sort of where they're trending because they've met with almost every single top wide receiver uh, prospect available. Yeah, it's wild. But I, I will say this real quick. I know it's April 5th, and this does feel like a spring podcast because you can hear the chickens chirping behind Dan. Kevin, can you hear those <laughs> those chickens now? Can you hear them? I, I cannot, actually. Oh, you can't hear them. Dan, I can hear <laughs> no, the chickens. Yeah. What'd you do? You, you, got them, you got them riled up. They're fired up for uh, the show. They're laying their eggs, and they want everybody to know. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So when Dan ta- when Dan talks, there's like this little chirping in the background. It just make it just make, giving me all the feels, man. It makes me feel like spring is here. It's it's just perfect. Keep it up. Don't don't lock them away, Dan. Keep them. Let them do whatever they're doing. Yeah, they uh, found a way to escape now. So they're right outside the window now. Yeah. So we got Kevin Hickey. We also have uh, Dan's chickens on the show this week, uh, as usual. Uh, I love it. But but Kevin, what do you think about what Dan was just talking about in terms of like this? I don't know this idea of like the positionless receiver that the Giants have gone with. We're going to get all slot guys. They're going to go all over the formation. We're going to get Darren Waller, who's basically a wide receiver. And we're just going to throw all this at you. And how do you prepare for that as a defense? Right? Like, what do you think about what they're putting together right right now on that side of the football? Yeah. I mean, when you go through their list of moves, it's like Joe Shane's just collecting slot receivers like Thanos collected the infinity stones. I mean, it's like how many more slot guys can we really add to this roster? But I, I I do like what Dan said. You know, these guys are all talented and they all kind of bring a little different nuance to the position. I mean, Paris Campbell has that, you know, elite speed that he's going to bring to the game. He's really good after the catch. Uh, Sterling Shepard. I mean, I, in, in my opinion, I mean, he's easily one of my favorite giants of all time. Um, just as a route runner, the dude is, Hey, I just, I love the way he plays. I mean, he's, he's such a good route runner. He's so reliable in the middle of the field. You know, he's got that dog in him. You know what I mean? He's, he's a tough dude. And to be able to come back from these two injuries that he's had, you know, back to back is really a testament to, you know, what he means to that locker room. And then, yeah, Jamison Crowder, I mean, another guy shifty, um, you know, can, can work mostly inside really wins with route running and good hands. So it's like, you know, you, you look at all these guys that they're bringing in. I know Wandale's probably not going to be ready for the start of the season after he uh, tours ACL. But, you know, a lot of these guys, that it, it really seems like there's an emphasis on getting guys who can get open, getting guys who can win with speed, and then getting guys who can make plays after the catch. And I think that's something that they've lacked in recent years, especially last year. You know, I, I, I was a really big fan of what Richie James did, just being able to step up into a bigger role yeah. last year. But you know, there comes a time where you need to upgrade. You need to bring in more talent. You need to bring in more upside. So, you know, I I think we really saw a lot of potential with Isaiah Hodgins as a boundary receiver and Darius Slayton. You know, he's a he's a great deep threat. But it is interesting to see that they've just really hammered the 
you know, the slot position. It's really just going to, it's probably going to come down to, you know, who are our best five, four or five receivers. How can we get them on the field? And then we go from there instead of, you know, oh, we have two X's, we have, you know, two flankers, and then the rest of their slot guys. It's, it might just be kind of a, you know, and I think Dabble's been good at that in terms of like adjusting to his personnel. So it might just be a, who are our best guys? This is what we're going to roll with and get open, you know? How much do you put into Dan of the Giants still seeking more help at wide receiver, right? Like we hear the rumors about, uh, you know, the the top of the wish list guys, maybe Joe Shane picking up the phone for like a Brandon Ayuk, who, you know, we know is rumored, but probably won't happen. DeAndre Hopkins, another one who's rumored, but might not happen. I mean, Stefan Diggs, was he joking on April Fool's? I have no idea, but <laughs> Stefan Diggs would be ex. Please bring me Stefan Diggs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Dayball and Stefan Diggs. I think it worked before. Maybe that'll work again, uh, you know, or e- even in the draft, which we're seeing with some of these mocks, right? Like, are, are you buying that the Giants could still be in on wide receiver and kind of doubling down and hammering wide receiver uh, throughout this offseason? And they're and they're not done yet at that position. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I'd be shocked if they don't draft or sign at least one more wide receiver. I do think that they're trying to find you know, that big X wide receiver for the outside. Uh, but I don't, I also don't think that they're ruling out some of the smaller slot guys to come in and, and fill those roles because listen, if, if Dayball and Shane have been anything, it's been transparent. And we, you've heard me say that on this podcast uh, numerous times because he's so many people talk the things they say up to, Oh, it's head coach speak. Oh, it's general manager speak. These guys have been honest and, and public and upfront about everything that they felt and done and planned to do. And, and, and they're showing their hand again when it comes to meeting with all these wide receiver prospects and, um, you know, holding the top 30 visits, which are, you know, those are premium visits. Uh, and many of them are being spent on, on wide receiver prospects. So it's, it's, it's a near guarantee uh, that that's the direction that they're going to go at some point in the draft. And, and it seems like it's potentially early. And then obviously you still have publicly poking around guys like, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., who doesn't seem like he's destined to return to the Giants, but, you know, they certainly haven't ruled it out. I mean, you've got Dayball coming out publicly and saying, yeah, I've been texting with him all offseason. And, um, you know, I think that speaks volumes about um, where it is that they believe they, you know, still need to improve, what they need to add for Daniel Jones. And 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 Darren Waller, you know, every, you know he's a tight end, but the Giants brought him in specifically uh, for his receiving ability. So you could see that they're really honing in on that. And I don't think that they're they're pulling any punches at all. I 100% believe that they're still looking at the wide receiver market and the wide receiver prospects, and they will land at least one, if not multiple more wide receivers before this is all said and done. Could you imagine being like a Jeff Smith <laughs> being like, how the hell am I going to make this team? <laughs> they just keep adding yeah, right. wide receivers. Special that's, teams. That's going to be it. Exactly. You're going to have to play specials and you're going to have to, you're going to have to find a role there. You know, uh, Anyone that's capable of returning the ball in particular is, is going to get a leg up on the competition. Uh, you know, if you're a gunner, whatever the case may be, pump protector, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you could play those roles and you could play them well, you're going to get the leg up because the Giants need the help there as well. But uh, that's going to be the key for some of these back end depth guys to find their way onto the roster. They're going to have to do it through special teams and then they'll find themselves with, you know, offensive snaps. They'll find, you know, they'll find themselves with an opportunity to prove what they could do on the field. But in order to make it there, they're going to have to bring some contributions elsewhere. Going to be a lot of co- competition in camp. It's going to be fun. I like what Dayball's doing. Yeah. Uh, and we definitely wanted to hit on, you mentioned John Mara there talking about Odell, Be- Odell Beckham Jr. texting with him. He, he hit all kinds of different things at the owners meetings when he talked. And we always listen when Mara speaks, uh, Dan. 
I know you have a take on Mara kind of being adamantly opposed is probably a nice way to put it. He was very yeah. uh, he was very adamant about his hate for um, Thursday night games possibly being flexed in that proposal. I don't think that's actually gone through yet, right? But It hasn't. Uh, They're revisiting it in May, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Okay, great. Well, save your take, because I want to get Kevin's take for it. <laughs> We're going to tease your take and get Kevin's first. Uh, what, did you, what did you think about Mara's comments at the owners' meetings about the Thursday night football games being flexed, Kevin? Jump in here. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm a, I agree with him. I don't know if I'd, if I'd go so far as to say it's abusive, which is the word that he used. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a ridiculous request to to have a schedule and then all of a sudden, you know, these guys who are playing on Sunday, all of a sudden, you know, you got to turn around on a short week again and play on Thursday. I mean, it's the quality of Thursday night play has just been, I mean, for the most part, I feel like it's been pretty bad. I feel like every time a game happens on Thursday night, it's more fun being on Twitter, just seeing what everybody's saying you know, about how bad the quality of play is. And I mean, because it's it's a hard, it's a tough ask to to tell these guys to, you know, you're going to go after it on Sunday and then essentially three, four days later, you're back at it again. And I know you kind of get a little mini buy there, but, you know, to to tell these guys what is, I think it's like 10 days, 15 days they give them in advance. Um, I mean, that's, that's a tough ask. And, you know, like Mara said, it is tough on the fans as well. I mean, you got people who plan to go to these games maybe somebody only plans on going one game a year and you know they're planning on it being on a sunday and all of a sudden it's you know your whole vacation or your whole trip is thrown out of whack because the game's now on a thursday and you can't go because you got work the next day or your you know your kids got school so you know i i think it's a ridiculous i think it's a ridiculous notion to think that players are just going to be fine you know getting 10 days 15 days in advance and then turning right around and and playing on thursday so I mean, I'm I'm right there with Mara. I, I'm I'm opposed to it. I I mean, as much as I love watching Thursday night football, especially for fantasy football, you know, perspectives, that that's great. But to ask these guys to do it multiple times in a year, and then also like turning around, you know, after a short notice, it's 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 kind of a tough tough ask for me. That's a, that's a tough sell, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like this the uh, motivation behind this is just to try to keep Al Michaels awake. On those broadcasts, you know, they're just trying to get a little bit more juice because you're right, Kevin, without fantasy football, there's just like no reason to stop by on Thursday night. But um, I'm a huge football nerd. Like I, th- I think all three of us are. So I'm watching even the crap product that's out there on Thursday night. Uh, but yeah, you brought up the word abusive. That's what Mary used. He used the word abusive. And I saw that headline, Dan, on Giants Wire. And I'm like, oh, Mara, he's he's definitely sticking up for the players here. He wants to he thinks this is just a horrible attack on their health. And then he's talking about the, the fans. <laughs> it's abusive to the fans. I know he's talking about the, the the players, too, Dan. I don't want to get him in trouble for something he didn't do. I don't want to twist the words to, like, you know, kind of be a hot take artist here or anything. But I thought that was hilarious when he was he, he thought the fans were being abused by the, the Thursday night games, uh, possibly being flexed. But uh, all right. Give us your take on that. You know, I know people laugh, but Mara has always been serious about treating the fans well. Dating back to his father, Wellington Mara, they used to call, they didn't call them fans. They called them employees, or they were the fans' employees, rather. Um, They worked for the fans is the way that they look at it and the way John Mara still looks at it. And that's why he's so adamant against not just the Thursday night flexing and the double Thursday night games, but against scheduling the Giants to play on 
Christmas Day or New Year's Day or or Thanksgiving or on Jewish holidays or Muslim holidays. He, he's always been adamantly opposed to that. So it comes as no surprise to me whatsoever that he's opposed to the, the double Thursday night flexing. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily just because of the fans either. And listen, I understand why the NFL wants to do this, because as you guys have noted, the product, the quality of the product has been awful. It's been absolutely terrible. And this sort of presents the NFL with an opportunity to, at the very least towards the end of the season, put a better product on the field. But that does come at a tremendous expense. And it's not just the fans that, as Kevin alluded to, there are a lot of Giants fans who only get, listen, the game experience, especially in East Rutherford in the big markets of New York, it's expensive. It's time consuming. Uh, There's a lot of travel that's involved. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, congestion in terms of the traffic and the parking and the, the cost of the parking and all these things and all these hoops that you have to jump through just to be able to go to one of these games. Um, so for, for many fans, it does become problematic when, you know, their plan for a Sunday one o'clock game turns into a Thursday night, you know, primetime game. And that that's especially true if they're traveling from outside of the city or outside of the Northeast somewhere. And the Giants do have fans that travel from long, long ways. Like I know plenty of fans that come up from Florida will fly up from, you know, the Carolinas or they'll come across to, you know, from California or even some people from Tennessee or Indiana, you know, so on and so forth that will that will come to these games. And that really kind of, you know, throws a curveball to them and eliminates their ability to enjoy the enjoy the game and make those plans and then any other plans that they have to make around it to to make that trip worthwhile. But you know, Mara also noted that it's extremely trying on the players. One, you know, Thursday night game is bad enough, and he doesn't like having his Giants play on Thursday night at all. Period. But to be in the playoff hunt, say later in the season, and you're playing on a Sunday, and then you got to turn around and immediately play on a Thursday night deep into the season when the players are at their weakest, they're the most beat up, they're the most injured. Um, you know, they don't have the data on that right now, but I can assure you that the injury data on that will be significant if they go through with this. And it's actually surprising to me that there are so many owners that would be in support of this when we know for a fact that there are almost no general managers, no head coaches, and no players who support this at all. And they don't even want Thursday night football in the first place. So I do find it very greedy, even though I understand the reasons for it. And I hope it fails in May when they revisit it, but I don't believe it's going to. No, you nailed it. It's greedy. That's what it's all about. They're trying to to prop up that product on Thursday Mm -hmm. night and uh, make it better and make it better. They'll tell you that they're doing it for the fans. That's the irony of the whole situation. (laughs) Mara is the one spilling the truth about what it does to the fans. But the NFL and Goodell will come out and say, we just want to put a better product out there for you. No, you don't. You want to make money. That's what you want to do. You don't care about how it affects the fans. You don't care about how it affects the players or anything like that. You just care about what it does to your pockets. And that's all there is to that. Yeah, well, as Kevin was saying earlier, it, it's, it doesn't affect uh, the, us fans that are on the couch watching, but it does right. it does affect those. Well, I'll tell travelers. you what, if you're covering yeah, the game, it affects point. you. Then, it affects you yeah. then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, Dan. You're just, you just don't want to cover any more night games. You don't want the Giants getting no, flexed for a 1 p.m. spot? Come on. Nope. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with them. Those, if the Giants never played another primetime game ever, I would be thrilled. Those 1 p.m. <laughs> Eastern kickoffs are heaven. Come on. You kidding they me? are. Let's just get our football Honestly, in. Honestly, you know what I learned? You know what I learned that I love this past season that I had forgotten that I loved? Give me those London games and those 9.30 kickoffs. I'll oh, take those that are, all day long. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Can we just do one of those every week instead of the uh, – I, I would trade the Thursday for the 9.30 Sunday. Every, every yeah, 100 week. times out of 100. I, I love that. Yeah, that's that's great. My wife doesn't love it because then she has to watch football even more on a Sunday. But <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I thought I thought Mara was uh, fascinating as always. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just I would have I would have loved to have seen the scene myself. Though, yeah, honestly, I would have loved to have seen because listen, we've seen in recent years Mara who, who doesn't generally go over the top. We've seen him kick chairs and throw trash cans and things like that. So when you hear that he was um, extremely emotional in trying to shoot this down. I can only imagine how entertaining that must have been to actually watch swinging the microphone at reporters. We're not playing on Thursday nights, uh, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was, I'm sure that was great. He talked about Brian Dayball becoming a, like an overnight rock star, uh, in New York city, uh, warning him not to go from Bono to Bozo, which is kind of funny. Uh, you know, he talked about all kinds of, yeah, he, he talked about all kinds of different things. He also, uh, left like, no no interpretation dan he threw his weight behind daniel jones right and it kind of reflects what the organization has done not only with the contract uh but by what they've done around him uh and i can get both you guys to talk about this but like mara says no limits where daniel jones can go from here he is clearly in their you know he is their franchise quarterback at this point right there's just no denying that and i know some sectors of the fan base are going to continue to deny that uh but in our you know our, you know, every podcast we have a Daniel Jones minute or sometimes a whole half hour. Uh, but there's no interpretation, right? Daniel Jones is their guy. He's their franchise quarterback right now. They're throwing all their weight behind this player. Oh, 100%. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the transparency level of not just Mara, who has never wavered whatsoever on Daniel Jones, but, you know, Joe Shane and Brian Dable as well. What I find most interesting about the commitment and the reaction to the commitment is that this isn't anything new. You know, going back to the previous regimes, whether it was uh, Gettleman and, and Shermer or whether it was Gettleman and Judge and Mara at the top, everybody who has crossed paths in that building with Daniel Jones is fully committed to Daniel Jones. And that includes his teammates. And you hear that from them consistently. The only noise you get comes from the outside and it comes from fans who had their heels dug in and just simply don't want to admit they're wrong. And from other players or executives or, or whatever it may be who aren't intimately familiar with the person or the player. And um, I, I always find that to be the most amusing criticism of all, because when you want to take a stock on a player, or, and as a person for that matter, you want to listen to what those who are most intimately familiar with them say. And whether, it, again, dating back to the Shermer Judge uh, Gettleman era to now, that has never changed even when all of the personnel around him changes. So I think that's a testament to Daniel Jones and speaks volumes about who he is as a person and a player. And, you know, so it comes as no surprise to me that John Merrick continues to support him. And, and I think anybody who objectively watches Daniel Jones on film and really takes in what he's had around him and in front of him in particular throughout the years, not to mention the constant cycling through offensive systems and coaches and quarterback coaches and everything else. Um, you know, just if you if you take stock of the whole thing and watch Daniel Jones, you cannot objectively look at him and say this isn't a good quarterback or that he's reached the ceiling because neither one of those things are true. Um, I think his ceiling is as high as it could possibly be. He's a kid that can make all the throws. He's run. His footwork's improved. His accuracy, accuracy is among the league's best now. He cut down on all the turnovers. He finally found an offensive uh, system that fit him. And now they're doing what they've needed to do this entire time and they're surrounding him with talent. And I think even more than last year, this coming season, we're going to see what Daniel Jones is really capable of. And there's going to be a lot of people that are angrily silent because they were proven wrong. Now, Kevin, I, I 
I'm not sure if you could tell, but Dan loves Daniel Jones. Um, oh, trust I, me. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I know I tried uh, earlier on. We you know we've been doing this podcast since 2020. And there were times, you know, early in DJ's career where he was throwing all these interceptions and fumbling the ball. And I'm like, Dan, I don't know. Is he really that good? And he's like, oh, no, 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 he is. I'm like, okay, okay, Dan. So I was doing that. And then I have come around. Dan will give me credit. I have come around to DJ's side. I'm not trying to get rid of the quarterback. I wanted them to sign him, all that. Uh, but we don't know. We don't know your take on Daniel Jones. So this could be fun. Where are you on the Daniel Jones? Uh, are you, do you have the pitchforks? Are you mad at the Giants for giving him the big contract and all that? Or are you pro Daniel Jones? Um, are you in Dan's corner uh, cheering him on? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely lean more pro Daniel Jones. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. When the Giants made the pick, I was irate. I was pissed. I mean, I, I was not happy. But Duke, then when you start, Duke has well, football. When you start, when you start <laughs> to watch him a little more, and it, it really clicked for me in the preseason, when you started seeing these throws that he was making, it's like, you know what? This dude, this dude's actually pretty good. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's always difficult because turnovers are, I mean, if a quarterback turns the ball over, it's like everybody just hops on. You know what I mean? Everybody just piles on, and there's no coming back from that. But, but now he's, you know, like Dan said, he's he's fixed those turnover issues. He's improved his mechanics, especially his lower half, um, you know, and that's led to better accuracy, especially to all levels of the field. Um, and I, I'm a guy who, when I watch players and when I see upside, I'm in. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to stick with this player because I see a high ceiling. I see what this player can be. So I'm more willing to stick with that player through the ups and downs. Um, and then when it comes to the contract, I mean, look, the numbers are not going to say that he's worth that that contract. But you're also not paying Daniel Jones for what he's done. You're paying him for what he will do and what you project that he can be. So I, that's a that's a risky move. But when you see the moves that the Giants have been making this offseason, they're really trying to build around him. They're trying to give him, you know, every opportunity to reach that ceiling. So. I don't really have a problem with it. The salary cap is a myth. You know, it goes up every season. Yes. Teams can teams can work around it every which way. I mean, the Saints have been, you know, <laughs> essentially bankrupt for the last five years. And somehow they're always under the salary cap. So, you know, I, I'm the last probably two seasons I've become a Daniel Jones. I wouldn't say a truther, but I'm definitely pro Daniel Jones. And I, I really now I want to see where is this going to go? I want to see what he's going to be and and how the you know, how far he can take the Giants. So I was, I was fine with the deal. I figured it was going to happen. Um, just considering all the options that they had other than Daniel Jones. Cause I mean, who, who else were you going to bring in that has his kind of upside? So especially as a runner, I mean, that's today's game. That's huge. So, you know, I, I definitely, um, it, it, it took reading a lot of Dan's articles to, to really get me going, but, <laughs> same, same. Uh, but no, he, he convinced me. And then, you know, just watching him play and watching his upside, you know, I'm I'm probably poor, more pro Daniel Jones. Well, I'm pro Kevin Hickey ever since you said the salary cap is a myth because I, <laughs> as Dan knows, I'm a, I'm I love the pushback against the salary cap, especially the people that are just will tell me, oh, we can't do X Y Z because of the cap. It's like, no, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. No, but and you know, credit Joe Shane because I don't I think he is he's kind of proving that he's making moves um, and doing all that. So without adding a lot of void years that's the key yeah true that yeah true that yeah, yeah. so yeah I, are the are the giants screwed because they gave daniel jones all that money no no don't worry about it guys it's gonna be fine it's gonna work out i mean look at the look at the mahomes contract i mean it's now a it's a bargain now. yeah bargain exactly bargain shopping now uh so 
Man, we hit a lot of topics. Uh, it was definitely great having you on, Kevin. Maybe I could give you guys each the floor. Is there anything else you guys want to hit before we wrap it up? You could hit on like maybe a, a great mock draft you just covered or you saw. Uh, Kevin, you could tell us whether the Colts are going to trade for Lamar Jackson or stay put at number four, right? What are they going to do at quarterback? You want to drop in some Colts stuff? Uh, I'll give you guys the floor. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go first? Yeah, uh, so the Lamar Jackson thing, I, it's fun. It's interesting. I don't think the Colts are going to do it. I think they need to reset. I think they want to reset. Um, I think they're going to use the number four pick on a quarterback, whether that's staying put or moving up to number three in a trade with the Cardinals. Um, you know, I I would be all for trading for Lamar Jackson, but I just don't think the Colts are going to do that. I think they need a hard reset. I think they want a guy that they can mold, that they can build under new head coach Shane Steichen. Um, so right now, if I had to make a guess, I think after this week, because they're working out all the quarterbacks this week, I think they probably wind up trading up to number three. And then I think they're going to take Anthony Richardson. So that's a guy who really fits Shane Steichen's scheme. He's got some some warts in his game, but you know he's very young, very moldable, very athletic, can make all the throws. So that's probably my prediction right now at the beginning of April. Lamar Jackson would give the Colts a little bit of juice, Kevin. It'd be good for oh, business. Yeah, It'd be good for business. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Joe Shane's master plan, Dan, is to uh, trade DJ for Lamar, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, is that the master plan? That was that was the plan all along. Yeah. <laughs> so, they want to give because the, they didn't sign him to trade him. Ah, <laughs> Odell. Exactly. Exactly. Dan, you got any thoughts? Maybe, um, maybe any thoughts on like the draft, which we're going to get into here in the coming weeks, uh, more in depth. But you got any thoughts here before we sign off? Well, I, I I will say this. I don't I don't think anybody should rule out a trade up for the Giants. I know it's kind of been poo pooed and dismissed a little bit uh, among the fan base, but I I genuinely would not be surprised to see Shane trade up for a you know whether it be a cornerback or even a wide receiver if one falls within the range. It's certainly possible. Um, as far as the center position, which has become a hot topic of late, especially in our wire mock drafts, I continuously pick a center for the Giants at number 25. In reality, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think it's, um, you know, positional value. You've heard us say that repeatedly, and you heard that thrown around when it comes to the draft. They're also pretty deep at the center position, so I don't necessarily believe that they're going to take a center in the first round if they stay put at 25. Um, you know, there are other options deeper into the draft that they have there, but you know, some of those some of those top end centers are are potentially unique talents. So it'll be interesting to see how much the Giants put on in terms of weight uh, and value at that position. But ultimately, I think they're going to they're going to end up with a cornerback, which is a desperate need because they don't really have anyone under contract after this coming season. So that's certainly problematic. Or they're going to add a wide receiver, which you know does, again, make sense, given the overwhelming amount of prospect visits that they've had to date. Well, we could have got uh, Stefan Gilmore for a late round pick, right? That would have been a good move. Yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Cowboys beat us to that one. Uh, but man, hey, Kevin, it was great. It was great to have you on, man. It was it was fun. Uh, and you were much more informative than Dan's chickens. So it was a very, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was great having you on, man. We're going to have to do this again. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. I do. Uh, before we do sign off, I do just want to give a quick shout out. Send our love uh, to Serena Burks. A Giants Wire contributor, Kevin, obviously familiar with mm -hmm. Serena as well, dating back to the Giants 101 days. I'm not going to go into any great detail, uh, but I am off asking thoughts and prayers for Serena and her family. Her son Jackson is currently in, in ICU, listed in critical condition. He suffers from Kabuki syndrome, which is a very rare congenital disorder. 
Um, he's struggling right now. So our love goes out to Serena and her family, her two children, her husband, obviously Jackson himself. Uh, we love you guys and we hope everything is okay. Yeah, 100%. Serena continues to write articles for Giants Wire. So her work hasn't stopped. So um, yeah, definitely thoughts are with Serena and her family. Um, and, you know, for Dan Benton, for Kevin Hickey, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. We'll catch you later this offseason to talk draft. Get into that. Looking forward to it. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.